We're here with Scarlett Cole, uh, published author of Mercury Rises, a dystopian retelling of Robin Hood with a romance twist, and Wicked Descent, the story of Avery Belmont and her family's dark secrets. Is that, a, is that a correct depiction of those two novels? Very, very correct. Awesome. So <laughs> maybe to start us off, how did you start writing? Um, I don't think it was more of I started writing. It's just once I learned to write, I, stories kind of came out. Um, as a kid, I define myself as a storyteller. My teachers always used to put talks too much. I like to put call it a storyteller. Um, I was always telling everybody everything way too overly dramatic. Um, you know, I talk with my hands a lot. I, uh, you know, big stories all the time. And so by the time I learned to write and I was a very, very heavy reader, so um, eventually it was just kind of a natural progression for me was to start writing. So when I was a kid, probably about 10 to 12, started writing some really awful poetry and some really, really awful short stories. Um, <laughs> but I did get a little bit better. I won a few contests around 16, 17, um, and then uh, kind of took a break for a while, um, getting into, you know, university and textbooks and all that kind of stuff, and then kind of came back to it in my late 20s. That's awesome. What was that jump moment that, that made you decide to start writing or at least start pursuing it more seriously than just your own poetry in your own, you know, whether it's journal or diary or, or sure. something along the um, Sad to say, I hate to admit this, but really it was came down to Twilight. Um, not that it was my favorite book or anything, but I, uh, growing up, I was a huge Anne Rice fan. I read it way too early, wildly inappropriate, and um, I massive Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. I was nice. the same age as Buffy when it came out and I kind of grew up with her and all of those kinds of stories. I read Stephen King from what I could stomach because I'm actually a huge scary cat, scaredy cat. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, Dean Koontz thriller novels and all that kind of stuff. So um, as you grow up, you start to think that, you know, you can't be into those sorts of things, those magical and mystical kind of stories and characters and all that sort of stuff. It feels like something for kids. And then all of a sudden, a friend of mine is like, you need to read this book called Twilight. You'll love it. And uh, so I sat down and I read this book. And um, I read Stephanie Meyer's story about how she kind of came to it in her early 30s, um, that she wanted to write this book and that she could do this. And I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, hey, it's all back, which is awesome. I'm so excited to be in this environment now that all those things that I loved and ever since I was a kid are now, I guess, like cool and trendy again. Um, I don't think paranormal ever really goes away. It just kind of like submerges for another trend that flies through, but it always circles back around. And um, I loved Stephanie Meyer's story in the sense that, you know, she just wanted to write this story and it didn't matter that she wasn't in early 20s ingenue anymore. She could just do this. And I was at this point in my life where I was almost finished my uh, chartered accountancy designation. I had a couple of degrees under my belt already. And I was coming to that point in my life of trying to figure out who I was again. I had, um, you know, I'd, two degrees and a CA take a lot of studying. So I'd spent a lot of my extra time working on those things. I'd gotten married. I had a kid. I built a house. I'd done all of those checkbox things that people um, kind of have in their head of what you're going to do. And I was getting to that point of trying to remember who I was again. And I was going into job interviews and things like that and then be like, what do you like to do for fun? Like, I listen to music sometimes because I couldn't <laughs> even think anymore. I'd spent so much, all of my spare time had been to all of these projects and planning weddings and 
blueprints and all of this kind of stuff. And um, so I just, I started writing again and I started, um, originally I tried to write a serious book, something that would be on Oprah's book club and make people cry and maybe win awards and stuff. And it was so boring and it's a good story, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And after reading Twilight and all this kind of stuff, I was like, you know what, I'm going to write what I love and I write what I really, really enjoy. So I started this story and it's really great. I never finished it. But, um, and then I got into Wicked Descent. Um, it came a little bit faster, came together a little bit better. And uh, <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> thank <up>. you <laughs> for the promo. And uh, so I, you know, I started doing those things and I didn't really tell anybody for a long time. I was just this closet writer and it was just something I kind of did on the side. And then in, so that was in about 2007 when I started doing that. Um, in 2013, I came to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm either doing this for myself or I'm going to need to try to publish it. And if I'm going to try to publish it, somebody needs to read it other than me. So um, I had been actually in Selkirk and I saw a sign for a genre writers group that met on Saturdays. So I called up the library and I tried to get their information and they gave me like three wrong numbers and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And I never got a hold of anybody. And then one day I'm like, I'm just going to go. And I got up and went there to the library and I said, I have no idea who you are and I don't know if you'll take me, but I need to learn about writing and uh, yeah, will you take me on? So they did and actually I learned, first figured out that um, I wasn't as good as I thought I was, which was great because they helped break me down quite a bit and uh, build me back up and learn how to do things properly and uh, it just kind of gave me avenues to start with and then I started doing a lot of all of that reading and researching and all that energy I'd spent in studying to study writing and to learn how to write better and sentence structure and how to plot properly and all that kind of stuff so um, that was in 2013 I had written probably about 90% of Wicked Descent at that point I rewrote the entire book um, from everything that I'd learned and then uh put it out there to try and get it published and see what happens. So. However, I always find um, I have mental blocks when I, I write, and, and one of them is that if I'm not in the, the same emotional uh, state that, I'm, uh, that the writing needs to be in, that I can't write it. Do you have any like, sort of mental blocks, or do you find you have any mental blocks when you write the, your books? Oh, absolutely. Um, writing is a hugely mental game. I was actually talking with a friend about this the other day. Um, uh, another writer friend who has a book who has a book that just came out, Celebrity Spin Doctor, Celia Mulder. Uh, <laughs> if you like contemporary romance. Um, anyways, we uh, we were talking about um, how mental writing can be. And uh, like you were saying about not being in the mental, like being in the right state when you're trying to write, write a scene. Um, I totally get that. I listen to music quite a bit um, when I'm writing. It's usually stuff that I've heard before, but, um, you know, I create soundtracks for books and things like that. And I think one of the reasons authors do that is to get into that mindset. It's to get, you know, if you're writing in a romantic scene and you've had an awful, awful day, unless you're just wanting it to take you away, you, it's hard to get there. And, you know, there's some scenes like I have, uh, trigger warning, there's some abuse, um, topics in Mercury Rises. And so some of those scenes are hard to write. Like, they're difficult to, you know, deal with those emotions and put yourself out there, um, like, emotionally with these characters. And, you know, if you're not in that right mindset, you're not doing it any justice either because you're not, you know, these are heavy topics that need to be dealt with delicately and properly. So, you know, if you're not in that right mindset, it is very, very difficult. Um, one of the biggest, uh, I second guess myself a lot when I'm writing. I write quite slowly, not 
the physical writing itself, but I'm always second guessing what I'm writing and does this make sense and all this kind of thing. And then I change it and then I change it back. And um, that really slows down my writing process. Um, but the one thing that I've had the hardest block with is actually now that I'm published, it's actually almost harder um, trying to write. And I, you kind of touched on this a little bit that, you know, if you take everybody else's impressions, then it's not your story anymore. So um, I, my publisher has said that if I can deliver the book, that um, they will um, be interested in publishing a sequel to Mercury Rises. And I mentioned earlier that some people were asking for it. Um, and I have, it was set up that way that, you know, I could continue it if I, if I chose to and the opportunity arose. And it's been very difficult to draft that novel because I do have reviews out and I do have people saying, oh, I love this couple or um, this is great and I can't see, uh, so excited to see what happens with this character and that. And, you know, I kind of have some preconceptions of what I wanted to do in my head. And I was like, well, I was going to follow this character, but everybody loves this character. And, you know, maybe I should be doing this or should I follow through with what I had planned? Or maybe I need to like rejig it a little bit. So I'm kind of like throwing out some breadcrumbs to those um, certain areas. And then there, you know, any reviews that haven't been super positive that, you know, maybe I should be taking that or is it just their, their opinion? And it's really taken its toll and slowed me down quite a bit because you now have all of these other voices in your head, um, rather than just your own self-doubt and your own blocks. Um, you have, you know, all of these other opinions of all these people you've never even met before, um, feeding into your hmm. process and what you're trying to do. I've never thought about that, but I guess that makes sense. Um, it's it's almost like you're you're not writing for yourself anymore. You're trying to please everyone else with your writing. And I don't really want to do that either, because like, sure. like you said, it it still needs to be your story in the end. And I still want to make people happy, right? Like, I don't want to exactly, oh, oh, everybody likes this character. Let's kill them off. I'm not that kind of person <laughs> yet. Um, no Game of Thrones style. No, <laughs> no. Um, Kill off the main character, third chapter in. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some nasty things to my characters, I'm not going to lie. Um, and uh, I do remember the first editor for Wicked Descent, she's like, uh, so I read this chapter and I've always learned that you're never allowed to do that, but I totally understand why you did it. So if you're going to do it, you need to be way more insidious. <laughs> she's like, I never actually thought I would say that to a person before. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And then, uh, you know, I had to work on it and do some more research and was very scared of what Google was going to show me. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of thing. It was, um, so I am not opposed to doing with what I want to do with it, but even though I'm doing my story, there's always that voice in my head of, am I making the right decision? Is there going to be backlash from what I write? Because people didn't want it to turn out that way, even though that's the way I want to do it. So in the end, I'll probably still do it my way. I just, I, I worry about that. I'm not going to, make people happy. But on the same note, I'm also worried that I don't want to concede to people either. Sure. If that makes sense. And you're not going to make everyone happy. Exactly. I think you're, exactly. you're going to have people that are going to hate the ending, right? And that goes for everything. Oh, any absolutely. Sequel, absolutely. Any films, books, yeah, like TV shows. I'm still mad about how I met your mother. I'm <laughs> not happy with that. Yeah, a lot of people are unhappy <laughs> with that one. So then what led you to writing about these dark worlds and some of these mystical creatures and things? I know you had uh, always had a belief in magic, and then to have that incorporated in your stories. Where did that come about? And also, what's the draw? I, I feel like in our culture, especially Twilight, the Harry Potters of the world, the Lord of the Rings, there's almost followings, like large followings, and there's something about these stories that draw people in. So what was it about 
about that in your life that drew you in and, and made you want to put that into your novels as well? Well, first off, it's fun. <laughs> like, you can do anything you want to do. Uh, Mercury Rises has no magic in it at all. Um, it is uh, dystopian based. So, you know, kind of like that Hunger Games diversion, but almost like near dystopian uh, in the sense that it's like 10 iPhones up. So not super out there or anything. Um, and I never actually intended it for it to be dystopian. I expected, I originally started writing that book as a contemporary romance, like cute little high school story. And then it totally went off the rails. And then I'm like, okay, well, I need to make it paranormal then because everything else is paranormal. And the story's like, nah, not going to happen. Um, so I had to, you know, give way and write the story that it was meant to be. And uh, it ended up following in that dystopian category. I didn't write it with that intent. Um, in terms of the paranormal stuff, though, it like, like I said, it's fun, and it it actually plays on a lot of different different things um, in terms of just like broadening your world. Like I grew up in northern Manitoba in um, like a reasonably sized city, but um, very isolated. Like the mo the closest like city or metropolitan type of area is eight and a half hour drive. Wow. Um. So and at that time, like the internet existed, but there was no buying stuff online. There was no, no ordering things, you know, kind of stuff. Um, you know, you had your Hotmail account and that was pretty much it. Anyone who was like severely into gaming might know a little bit better and it was still in text. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you didn't have that kind of outlet where you could just go into other things. So for me and being a huge reader and not the most sporty person, I, um, I read a lot of books and it was an outlet for me in terms of it was a different world it was something that I hadn't seen before it was somewhere it was somewhere else that wasn't where I was not that I wasn't happy where I was but it's very isolated so you know this is these books can take you somewhere else it's very like escapist um type type of literature right like people get involved with these things because of it takes them to another place and um so that's kind of what I got into as a kid. And not only that, it allows you, which I find really cool, especially with teen fiction and children's literature. It does it with adults as well, but you can be a little bit more um, above board on it. Um, in terms of these sorts, you can touch very, very dark topics, but it's okay because these things aren't real kind yeah. of thing. Like, And um, it, it's kind of got that mentality where you can talk about these really, really, really heavy subjects where if you tried to do it in a contemporary setting, people are like, whoa. Yeah, like, too far. That's too much. Yeah. But if you're talking about it, you know, in terms of these fictional characters and magic and all of this kind of stuff, you can go into these like dark or adverse type of topics. Um, and, you know, it's still seen okay kind of thing. Like you can have that weight without um, mm. scaring people off, essentially. I feel I have a nice balance understanding the business angle of things and the art side of things. If I had gone straight into... Uh, like if I had immersed myself straight into the art area of it, you know, I could be a very different person. Like you said, I may not have, you know, pursued an accounting degree, which would be a very, I would be a very different person. I would have a very different life. I'd be in a very different job. Um, and, uh, so that, you know, impacts things hugely. My other degree that I have is criminology. Seems like a very odd pairing with accounting, but, uh, you know, that impacts what I write and how I view things and all that sort of stuff as well, how I see things politically, um, how I, you know, view different things and different people uh, is impacted by having that education with that degree, even though it doesn't 
seems like that odd puzzle piece from another puzzle that doesn't fit, um, you know, it, it does impact who I am and how I view the world. So, cool. So, what does your writing process look like, and what tips would you have for new new writers in the world? <laughs> well, my writing process is a big old mess. <laughs> um, I. Uh, one of the big things that they talk about in writing is whether or not you're a plotter or a pantser. I'm both. Most writers are a little bit of both anyway. Um, usually what how mine kind of works out is I'll come up with a little bit of an idea. I will write whatever I can think of in terms of that idea in that little bit of the spark, right? It might be the last chapter. It might be one in the middle. It might be the beginning. And I just kind of roll with it until I've kind of exhausted that stream of consciousness. And then I go, okay, what do I have now? And then I'll kind of take that and then plot it and uh, put it into a story. And then I create a spreadsheet with lots of pretty colors um, <laughs> and uh, formulas and math in it. Um, so very not creative kind of process, um, creating this uh, insane outline. And then I will just kind of write what, wherever I feel like it. Like you were saying about a block of needing to be in that right space. Um, I do not write chronologically hardly ever until I'm further along in the book. I just, I write what I feel like writing that day. If it's a fight scene, if it's a quiet scene, if it's whatever, um, I write what I feel like writing and start filling in those pieces. And then all of a sudden I'm going to have a lot of those blocks and it's like, okay, now I need to make all of this stuff tie together and I'll start it, I'll start it right at the beginning and I'll flow all the way through even the stuff that I've, if I've already written it, I'll fix it or edit it or whatever and then just write and then finish the story all the way through. Um, and then, edit and do all that kind of fun stuff. So that's kind of how I kind of break it down. But in terms of the story itself, it really depends on the story. Um, when I wrote Wicked Descent, it was like, I guess it would be almost like a plant. I, you know, created the seed and everything just started ballooning from there and I could do this and I can do this and do this. And it's, it was really exciting and it just kind of grew into this thing. And then now again, you cut stuff off and make it go in a certain direction. And that was great. Um, like I kind of alluded to with Mercury Rises, it was completely opposite. Um, I kept trying to make it into something else and it was like, nope, nope, that is not my story. But it was almost like the story was almost written somewhere and I needed to find it as opposed to um, creating it myself. It was only, I kind of pictured almost like a, like a block of marble. I know what color it is. I know what it feels like. But in the end, I don't know what's in the middle until I start peeling all the stuff away. And then it kind of built onto itself and became this thing. And uh, that's why I find it really, really interesting and why it's so different from most of the stuff that I normally write is because I didn't go in there writing that story. It, that's just the story that was there. And uh, so obviously, even though I did the same process where I wrote what I thought I could write and then I have the same outlines and pretty colors, um, they uh, were both very different in terms of um, how they came to be and how those plots kind of came together. Um, you know, this one, the, this one I was building the plot and the other one I was finding it. Uh, what part of the writing process do you enjoy the least? Uh, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes like to tell you the truth, it's the drafting part that I find the hardest. Um, I love coming up with the idea and I know the story and I can sit there and tell somebody the story and I can outline and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't think I liked editing, but I actually really, really do. That's the part where, you know, you take a really crappy chapter and make it sing, right? Like that's when you perfect your language and that's when you realize, oh yeah, this actually wasn't, like the idea is fine. It's just 
I needed to make it that much better kind of thing. And that that's where the pieces fall into place and you go, oh yeah, this is a story. This kind of doesn't make sense. And okay, this is like, because my problem with my, with the drafting, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's that it's the second guessing. It's the, this is garbage and this doesn't make sense. And these characters are falling in love right here. And um, I have, I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't know how they get there. Uh, kind of thing. And then going back through editing, at least I get that opportunity to go like, okay, you know what? First off, A, wasn't as terrible as I thought, or it was. And then B, now's the chance for me to make that better or, you know, make all those pieces just totally fall into place. So um, I think the, it's not that I enjoy it the least. I just find it the hardest, I think, is just, and just getting that draft out. Um, And because I'll sit there and stare at my computer screen for forever, just trying to get to the next sentence because I'm like, no, I don't like it. Or no, I'm just forcing myself to keep going is the hardest part for me. You mentioned you had an, like an Excel spreadsheet that you used <laughs> yeah. with, with all these formulas. What does that look like? What kind of formulas can you use for a writing? I ask out of interest because I always have a hard time plotting what I'm writing or trying to oh, draft no, sure. what I'm writing. Well, I've written, like, I have two books here, but I, you know, I have other manuscripts that I've worked on and I'm working on and all that kind of stuff. So um, for me, I've kind of realized where kind of my sweet spot is. Um, the Wicked Descent was submitted at 97,000 words. Um, Mercury Rises, I think, was like 86,000 words. They are both final, 91 and change. Clearly, this is my sweet spot. Um, is around that length. I kind of know what kind of books I like to read. I know what I like to write. I kind of have an idea about how long a book's going to be for me. So it's going to be a, somewhere between 85 to 95,000 words, more or less. Um, once I've written out those first couple of chapters, I have an idea of the voice. Um, the chapters in Mercury Rises are a little bit shorter. They get longer as the action progresses. Wicked Descent has long chapters. Um, they just are. Uh, the book that I'm working on right now, Keeper of Shadows, it's a... Um, multiple point of view chapters are very short um because basically every couple of chapter every couple of chapters is essentially like a chapter even though they're separate scenes because i'm flipping back and forth um so once i have an idea of what that's going to be i kind of have the okay so if it's going to be about so i usually mark it off at about ninety thousand words i have a formula going okay so if it's going to be about chapters are going to be about mm, 1500 words or so um, and then 1,500 words for 90,000 is going to be X amount of chapters. So this is how much I would think it was going to be. Um, if I split everything into thirds, this is where I would think my turning points are. I use a three-act structure typically. Okay. Um, so this is where I think my turning points are going to be. And then I'm basically putting in, okay, so this is what I have plotted. Does this make sense to those points there? Do they need to be earlier, later? Am I, you know, too much backstory, too much lead-in, not enough? like all that sort of stuff. So I can kind of balance those things a little bit for the book. Um, so it's kind of basically just kind of setting up the template based on what I think is going to happen. And then I also put in, so I let's say 1,500 words for every chapter. When I'm putting in my my points, I'm like, no, this one's going to be longer. This one's going to be shorter. So I kind of put in, so this is my base. This is what I think everything's actually, actually going to kind of come out to. Um, and then just comparing against my actual word counts. And then... Um, Further off, I have, like, my checkpoint of, like, do I have the first draft finished? Like, is it in process? Do I have my first draft finished? Have I re-edited it again? Um, and then I have calculations of approximately how many days I think it's going to take me to write <laughs> um, based on that many words and what my normal... Sounds like the accounting side totally. of you coming into your writing. Oh, exactly. And then I figure out how many days it's going to write, and then I don't write for three days, and then it throws everything off anyway, <laughs> so it doesn't even matter. 
but I calculate it anyway because that's me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm definitely a spreadsheet dork that way. So um, yeah, so it's basically just kind of making sure that I'm getting back to that story structure stuff and that I don't, um, you know, I'm hitting my turning points where I'm supposed to. I haven't created a story that's, you know, 150,000 words because for an average, um, you know, teen paranormal novel, 150,000 words is a lot. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's going to be hard marketability wise, you know, at that point, should I be just doing two books? Should I be doing, how should I be splitting that kind of stuff? So it kind of keeps me in check a little bit. Plus, um, with everything else going on in my life, I don't get to write every day. I would love to, it'd be wonderful. And I try, but, um, if I don't get to write it, if, for something, you know, if I'm going through a year end and I don't get to touch anything for a month, I have something I can go back to that's very concrete of, okay, this is where you were and this is what you were doing and all that sort of stuff. Most of it changes by the time I get to the end. Um, I, for me, I like to know my ending before I start. It's almost never the ending that I actually end up with when I get there, Mm -hmm. but um, it gives me a driving force to go through kind of stuff. So, you know, I do have a stringent outline, doesn't follow it, but it's, something that keeps me in check and gives me something to go back to. And the outline changes as I go and as things get, and it's also nice to be able to see things too. Cause if I change something up top, I know I can see where all that fallout is going to be. And I can see where um, those things are going to need to change. Plus in the situation of the book that I'm working on now, um, Keeper of Shadows, I need to be cognizant of whose voice I have certain scenes in. Um, you know, if, you know, there is, this is actually the most romance-based novel that I've written. And it's, um, you know, when you have intimate or kissing scenes or something in it, you don't want them in the same character's voice every single time. You want each of the characters to be able to experience those things and explain them and all those things and experience them. So um, this gives me a nice overview of making sure that those key scenes, I'm not having the same types of scenes in the same voice all the time. Interesting. Um do you find that, so with the whole voice thing, do you find that ever, like, because you're running, say for the one that's coming out, you have two different voices in it. Do you find that ever, like, a new voice can come in eventually or that you find that your own voice is creeping into it sometimes? Um, a little bit. I think that more of, it's not so much a new voice, but they start to sound the same. Okay. Is more of the risk, I think, that... Um, you keep writing and then you forget, oh, wait, this character doesn't talk like that. Or, um, you know, you kind of tone it down a little bit. So editing helps. Um, one of the coolest uh, writing tips I ever got, uh, there's an author named Katie McGarry, and I love her so much. And she, all of her novels, she writes she writes teen romance novels as well, but they're contemporary. And she writes all of hers in um, alternating points of view. And I asked her once, I said, how do you manage to pull this off? How do you manage to keep your voices so different? And she said that she listens to different types of music per um, person. So there's a book called Dare You Too. That's one of my favorites. And they have two characters. There's uh, Ryan and then there's Beth. And Ryan is just sort of the small town baseball star, loves his mom, loves his country kind of thing. And Beth is from a hard upbringing. She's from the city. She's dealt with a lot of stuff in her life. And she's kind of angry at the world. Uh, through most of the novel. So she said when she would write Ryan's pieces, she would listen to Jason Aldean. So it was very descriptive and drawl and got some flow to it. And when she would write the scenes for Beth, she would listen to Eminem. So all of the language was harsh (laughs) and blunt. And, um, you know, the characters would think that way. And uh, 
I, I found this fascinating. It was really, really interesting that uh, she did this. And she said, it's great because I've actually had copy editors tell me that, you know, pages have been cut off and they would know which chapter it was without having to have the title on there. Wow. And that's an important thing to have too. Cause like if somebody stops in the middle of a chapter, not like you ever want them to, but God forbid something happens and they have to stop reading. If they have to come back and try and figure out where they were, you haven't done it right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like they should be able to know how the character talks and how they describe things um, and how they think that whose voice you're in. So th that's something that I have to, I've had to spend a lot more time on and a lot more editing time on in this book is trying to make sure that those voices are distinct and those descriptions are unique to those people and their experiences. And uh, it's a lot more work, but I find it's a lot more interesting too. What books have helped your writing process the most? Are there any that you've consulted in terms of uh, being able to better edit or help your writing? Um, I have read On Writing by Stephen King. Of It's the classic, right? So I wasn't super into the biography. Um, however, the last few chapters, the biography just totally went off the rails. And you're like, why did you not start with that? I don't understand. Um, so if you've read it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but he he just has an interesting perspective on it. Um, I've read a lot of books on trying to write faster. Uh, so there's one, I think it's 20K to 100K. Uh, that was really, really good. I'm not sure. It was, it's an ebook. I'm not sure who the author is off the top of my head, but it was really good if you Google it. Uh, I have read the Save the Cat, the the typical screenwriting books. A lot of the stuff I find though is blogs. Um, I really, really like blog writers because they just seem to break it down a little bit more in blog style mm -hmm. than in a book. Um, editing, I kind of, I go with what I need. Grammar Girl website is fantastic. Um, so, you know, when I'm struggling with a particular something, I'll, I'll go back to like exactly what I'm looking for. It's not like I'm going to read something on editing. I'm going to go to those specific pieces. But um, for me, I find blog posts the most useful because they just seem to, you, you can get narrowed down into a specific topic really quickly and they tend to like get to the point yeah. because they only have a small amount of space to use. Uh, one of the ones that's my favorite, and he has turned a lot of this into books. Um, so blog posts become book kind of thing. And uh, is Chuck Wendig. He um, he writes a a blog called Terrible Minds, and it is not suitable for work. And uh, he, <laughs> in his early stuff, he related everything to Die Hard, which was great. And um, but and uses a lot of colorful language. But he is very good with motivational posts and about process and breaking things down. Of like, here's twenty things about writing characters, and he's really funny. Um, which I really appreciate because it's a lot easier to take dry information when it's funny. What's his name? Chuck Wendig. Yeah, something I'm definitely going to have to check out. Yeah, it like I, love I love Chuck Wendig. And he writes like tie-in fiction for Star Wars. And he's, I think they just optioned one of his things for TV. And I started following him back when it was like, I just kind of lost my publisher and I don't know what's going to happen with this book and whatever. And now he's like writing comics and video games and tie-in for Star Wars. And hmm. he just got some endorsement from Margaret Atwood. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, not Canadian either. And uh, he's, he's just, he's funny and he's crass and I love him. And, um, yeah, some of his more recent, like he hasn't been posting as much recently just because a little bit busier than he used to be. Um, but if you go back into a lot of his archives and stuff, it's great. And he um, has a lot of, like I said, compilation ebooks from some of his posts. And uh, they're all various sentences that use the word pen monkey <laughs> in the title. Um, so, but yeah, no, they're great. And I really, really like them. And he likes to break things down really easily or use really 
really good real world examples um, to be able to tie things in and uh, make sense of it. And he's good with motivation. There's been so many times where I'm like, I'm just stuck on what I'm writing and then I'll flip into his blog or it'll be off my feed and I'll be like, oh, that's exactly what I need to hear right now. Um, and uh, he's pretty open-minded and uh, which is good. I love that one. Uh, Fiction University is a really good one as well. Um, just for the basics, they have um, really structured the website as, okay, so this is on middles, this is on publishing, this is on endings, this is on editing, this is on voice, this is on whatever. And you can really find exactly what you're looking for. She uses really great examples. Um, they do a lot of critique on the weekend. Like every weekend there's a critique up there. I don't read them all the time. Um, but during the week they, they have um, uh, a series on indie publishing as well. So they bring in... Um, self-published and indie authors um, to talk about, you know, how to market, how to get more traction with your ebook, how to, you know, how do you even make an ebook? <laughs> and all of those like basic to more complex, um, various different things, which are really, really good. And I actually just joined a group in September. Um, you actually have to apply and then if you get in and then there's interviews and all that sort of stuff. And if you get in, uh, it's called the Breakthrough Writers Bootcamp. And it's run by um, an editor named Kate Browning, who is just absolutely wonderful. I'd heard her speak at a few different conventions that I've been to. And she just, she has this really, really great understanding with language. And um, so the way she kind of structures her classes is at the beginning of every month, we create goals that we want to have for our career. And she kind of gives us consultation on where, you know, where you can go with this. And these are some resources and just kind of like somebody to bounce it off of. And then, you know, at the beginning of the next month, we're going to revisit the you know, did you get there? How, how did this work for you? Um, the first week of the month, there will be a topic, an advanced topic on writing or language. So like this past month, it was, you know, advanced language techniques on imagery and all that kind of stuff. Um, the last week of the month, there is a creativity thing. And it's basically, she will find something, um, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a, a movie or a music video or whatever, um, that lends itself, or TED Talks, she uses those two, that lends itself to creativity and, you know, feeding the artist as opposed to not necessarily just the business and then has a chat with all of the authors that are there um, to kind of go over that and how does that inspire your writing and how it can and this and that and the other thing. Um, and then in the middle of the month is just, you know, it's the nitty gritty, it's queries, it's all that kind of stuff and editing first pages and live for everybody to see and stuff like that. So um, that has been really, really useful because it's a, she wanted to develop a program that was beyond the basic. It wasn't the, it was those authors that, you know, you, you know where to put your comments generally kind of thing. You know what you're doing, um, but you want to take your career and what you're doing to the next level and just even just trying to figure that out and also to build a space for people to deal with what's coming next. She's like, there's so much stuff that's going on where publishers will close or your editor will leave the business or your agent will and just knowing what to do in those situations and being able to survive in spite of all of that kind of stuff if that's what you really want to do. So I also wanted to know what the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome is. I think it's probably just myself <laughs> to be honest with you and like you were saying about like going into these places and taking that next step and you know hitting send when you've got it there and you're like okay it's great but you can edit anything. I could edit these books like five more times and make them better. But at some point you need to just go, you need to cut bait and move forward. And it's that moving forward um, that I think is super, super hard for a lot of people. And I think there's probably a lot of writers out there who 
don't become authors because they don't, they get stuck and they, they don't hit send and they don't um, do something with it or whatever. So like just getting it over yourself yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, having that courage to be able to move forward. Cause it's scary. Everything, everything you do is terrifying. Like in, well, for me anyway, um, you know, it was terrifying to send it out. And the other thing that I find really interesting, and it's not just me, there's a lot of other authors that I know that are like this, there's this fear of success. So it's like, okay, so I'm so scared that nobody's going to buy my book and nobody's going to like it. And so somebody does, okay, well, I'm so scared that the editor's going to rip me a new one and I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, deal with it. And then they do and it's fine. And it's like, okay, well, the book comes out and it's actually doing really well. What do I do? What do yeah. I do now? Like, I, I don't know how to deal with being successful. And, um, you know, like that fear is just kind of all the way through. And the only way, it's one of those, the only way through is through essentially, right? So um, I think just, you know, getting out of my own head and getting over stuff. And when I get blocks and stuff, forcing myself, it, like taking different routes. One of the things I always, one of the things I like to do too, when I find that I'm blocked is I write pen and paper. I always find that there's some weird connection between pen and paper that I, my ideas come out a little bit better than when I'm typing them. However, it takes a really, really long time to put all that in the computer. So I'm trying to get better. Um, but, you know, it's like in dance with ballet, go back to the bar, you go back to your basics. And um, so for me, going back to pen and paper sometimes is what I need to do. But you can spin like that forever if you let yourself. If you don't push yourself to move forward, if you don't, you know, overcome the things that are keeping you behind, you will never move forward. Like you can spin for years. And because writing is such a independent thing, no one's going to stop you. Mm. No one's going to push you forward, but yourself. That's true. Um, so you have to be, you have to be that driving force. At least if you're at work, if you're not getting your work done, your boss is going to be screaming down your neck to get that done. Um, if you're on a contract, that might be a little bit different, but you know, in terms of getting that first book out or first few books when you're writing on spec and you need to write the entire novel and then sell it, um, no one's going to push you but yourself. And if they don't, you won't go anywhere. Yeah, I think that that's really well said. And um, I'm just kind of thinking through that. I was thinking of my writing. And I know I've had a book, an idea for a book back since I was in grade 10. And it's kind of evolved since then. But I've rewritten the first chapter of that book. Uh, it's got to be 30 plus times now. And I've never been content with it enough to move on. But it's never going to be 100% perfect, right? the end of the day you just kind of have to like let it be mm -hmm. move on oh for sure and, and and also different points in your life are different things like um maybe five books from now i would not be happy with what i've put out but it happened mm -hmm. and it built and the book that i would have put out then is what that was built upon that's the foundation of building that up right so you wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't exactly. have that then um i read an interesting um twitter feed the other day uh thread from victoria schwab she writes um or v schwab she writes uh darker shade of magic um the monsters of verity which is a uh, teen series uh and a few other things she writes fantasy and i love her to pieces and uh, she has a new book that came out on Tuesday called Vengeful. And the first book was called Vicious. And it was one of those ones where she said she was in the middle of, um, she was in between contracts. She didn't know what she She wrote a book for herself because it was just something she really, really wanted to write. And people really, really attached to it. Um, and it's a fantastic book. And she's a beautiful writer. And uh, so she ended up writing the sequel several years later. And it just came out. And uh, she had a thread on her Twitter the other day saying that 
she wrote this book and she turned it in in January and her agent calls her up and she said, it's the hardest conversation I've ever had in my life. She's like, I've released 15 books. They've optioned A Darker Shade of Magic for film. She just signed this like contract in the summer from boatloads of money. Like she's doing fine. And her agent was like, this book isn't good enough for you for where you are in your career. And it's completely up to you and I will support you no matter what you do, but I think you need to redo it. And she's like, not revise, not edit, redo it. Wow. And she's like, and so I deleted this book and started over. And she said, and it will come out tomorrow, the day before it was releasing. And she said, it's the strongest book I've ever written. And I'm sure for her and for anybody else who's ever written anything, that is terrifying. That is months and months of work and all that sort of stuff that she's put into it. And it was for somebody else to recognize and be like, you know what? You are so much better writer than this. And they, she even said, like, some of, your, some of your fans will be fine with this book. And it will be okay. And if you put it out, that will be fine. But you are so much better than this. And uh, she took it in and came out with it. And I haven't read it yet, but I'm very excited. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's that being able to take that step and being able to push yourself forward. Because she could have chose not to, but she chose the step to push herself forward. And uh, yeah, I've heard good things so far. Uh, I did want to know what motivates you or drives you, especially in terms of your writing. Um, I think it's just to, and, and just to make the voices be quiet. <laughs> I know this is going to sound a little insane, but really it's, you start coming up with an idea and you, you just want to see it developed. I'm sure like just like every director who creates a movie and everybody who writes a song or writes a poem or paints a picture, they just, they have this vision in their head of something that they want to do and they just want to see it in a tangible format um, and make it real kind of thing. They just want, you know, I, and uh, I remember asking an author once, where do you, somebody said, where do you come up with your ideas? And she's like, I don't know how to make them stop (laughs) Um, kind of thing. And you, like you're constantly coming up with ideas and characters and all these kinds of things and they just kind of live in your head if you do nothing with them. And, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, create something and create it into this like tangible format um, that other people can enjoy and read and whatever. I think that's kind of what drives me to do, to do things. I, I want to see how the story ends. So, and unfortunately I'm the only one who can write it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you had something inspirational to say to people to get on that path, whether it's writing or just in life to motivate them to move forward and do all these things that we're saying, what would you say to them? Just do it. That's no, like, no, it's honestly, um, for a long time, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And there's so many people I'm like, I'm so going to write a book one day. Yeah. You're not going to write a book until you write a book <laughs> um, kind of thing. And breaking things down into small steps. A, a book is a large undertaking. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Um, but just break it down. Break it down into pieces. Like no matter what goal you're, you were talking about running you didn't run a marathon in a day. You didn't just be like, I'm going to run a marathon today. Off you go. Um, you know, you probably... would be the type to do that. No. <laughs> you would try. Yeah. But I don't think your body would probably let you. Um, but you need to break it down. Like, take your goals that you wanted to go for um, and break it down into what makes sense for you. Maybe for you, it's 100 words a day. That's like a paragraph. And maybe it's going to take you 20 years to write that book. So be it. If that's what you want to do and that's what your life allows you allows you to do and all that kind of stuff. But until you sit down and start writing those hundred words, it's never going to happen. Until you start, you know, 
running around the block and then twice and then three times and then four times. Marathon riders, marathon runners, sorry, um, tend to, I find, really understand the writing process better than anyone else. Because trying to explain that to other people, um, they're some, it's one of those things you don't really get until, you, until you've tried it um, kind of thing. Like you kind of get the concept, but like there's a lot of self-deprecation and work that's involved that people just don't see, right? Um, and, and doing it for yourself. Like when you first write your first book, even if you're planning to do it for publication, nobody else knows that. So you're really writing that first book for yourself, regardless of what your motivations are. Very true. And marathons are the same thing. Like, yes, you want to win and you want to do this, but it's a lot more of the, you're doing it for yourself to finish, to be able to do those things. Um, so I do find oddly enough, because writers are probably least uh, physical versus marathon runners who are like probably super fit, um, seem to get that mentality the best. Like they seem to understand a little bit more of like that putting in that work, even if it's a little bit at a time, just breaking off those pieces slowly to get where you want to go. How can we stay up to date with Scarlet Cole and your upcoming novels and projects? Okay. Well, um, I do have my website, which is kind of my like stable point, uh, www.scarletcole.com. Uh, K-O-L, not C-O-L-E. Um, and uh, I am also on Facebook. I am on Twitter and I am on Instagram. They're all under Scarlet Cole. I do have a Facebook readers group, Scarlet's Rebel Readers. I have a newsletter, which you can sign up on my website. Um, I don't, I try not to plaster people because I don't like too much email myself. So four to five times a year max, unless I've got something on sale or just a quick little announcement. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm usually lurking around social media as well. I, uh, you know, I'm local in Winnipeg. If anybody ever wants to email me or if they have questions or if they want to talk about writing, I'm open to that. Um, and I'm also doing three conferences next year. So I will be at book con in, uh, book lovers con, sorry, in New Orleans. I will be in May. I will be in literary love Savannah in Savannah, Georgia in July. And I will be at penned con in St. Louis in September. That's a that's a full full awesome. schedule right there. <laughs> Where can uh, people buy your books off your site? Or um, I, I I have links off my site, but I haven't actually. Some people say that I should probably put up like autograph, like you can buy autograph copies. There's a lot of authors that do that. I haven't done that yet, but I might um, at some point. You can get them at Amazon if you are local. You can get them at McNally Robinson, both at the Forks and um, at Grant. If you are a Kobo reader, you can get it on Chapters Indigo. Uh, there are bo both the paperbacks and uh, in print, I mean, paperbacks and ebook on Barnes & Noble. So Nook readers, uh, they are available um, as iBooks on iTunes, obviously Amazon, and um, in the States, Walmart.com. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Anywhere anywhere you can think of reading. Yeah, yeah. Fun. exactly. <laughs> like all the majors is pretty much covered. So, And actually, Wicked Descent is also available on the Ever19 website as well. That's my publisher for that one. Perfect. And as always, we're Be The Change. So if you have any emails for us in terms of content or anything you'd like to see on the show or anything that you'd like to share with us, send it to info at be the change YPS. We'll get it right this time, dot com. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any announcements. Probably no show next week because it's Thanksgiving and it's a long weekend and we got to spend some time with our families. Got to eat food. <laughs> Uh, as always, subscribe, subscribe on YouTube or um, wherever you happen to be listening or watching to this podcast. Maybe it's iTunes or Spotify. Uh, any closing thoughts, Jace? 
Uh, just thank you for being on. Uh, best of luck in the future with your books and your future books. Thank and, you. Um, I'll definitely give them a read when I have a chance. <laughs> My book list has probably gotten over 50 now, but I'll no, put, fit it in there somewhere. This was great. No, I was happy to have a, a fellow writer, but somebody <laughs> who's published and who has a lot of insight into the, the writing world and, and even just to pick your brain on on the amazing parts of your books and your story and all the experiences that you've been through. So it's been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It was lots of fun. Awesome. Thanks, Scarlett. Take care.